welcome everybody to this episode of Transparent Theology. I'm Caleb Dyer, and I am joined today with Jacob LaRue, one of my good friends. So, uh, Jacob, if you want to tell us a little bit about who you are and maybe why you're here. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, okay, so I'm, I guess, one of Caleb's friends from college. We both went to OBU, um, graduated last year, going to start seminary in a couple weeks. So that's who I am. I got just a little bit of knowledge about theology. So yeah, I guess that qualifies me to <laughs> talk authoritatively about the atonement. You will. Uh, yeah. So that our, our topic today is atonement. Um, so it's, it's the next progression and kind of the ideas of what salvation is as a whole and how it's not just this one time experience, but it's like a, there's a true, it's a story. You said you referred to it as something earlier. What did you refer to it as? Um, I said kind of the drama of redemption. Yeah. It's a term I've heard passed around by people who mm-hmm. are smarter than me. So. Yeah. So we like to use terms from people that are smarter than us. It's a lot better than using terms that aren't correct. So um, you will hear probably more names tossed around in this episode. Um, if you're interested in those people, go look them up. Um, they're all going to be smarter than us. So, uh, they might not all be the best, you know, people to learn from, but you're going to hear some names. And so, uh, don't be afraid to look them up and see what they have to say. Um, we've learned a lot from a lot of these different people and their books and their ideas and that kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah. yeah, so today's topic is the atonement. Um, something as we were talking before this about, the uh, trying to come up with a, a good definition. Uh, part of the problem is our definition is going to be shaped by uh, what we, uh, what the theory that we tend towards. So when we come up with this definition, just know that like other people are going to have maybe some other definitions uh, and it might be, uh, might be better or worse than some others. But J.I. Packer says that, uh, atonement is making amends, blotting out the offense, and giving satisfaction for wrong done, which I think is kind of nice. Um, and Wayne Grudem says that the atonement has to include Jesus' life and death, not just his death, because Jesus' life saves us along with his death. So I think both of those are important. Uh, and then, uh, Jacob, you also had something else that you wanted to add on the meaning of atonement kind of from the old Testament, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so atonement, we, we do get that from, uh, especially the old Testament. When we talk about the law, 10 commandments. If you read, um, the books like Leviticus and numbers, usually the books that start people, well, they stop people from reading through the old Testament and their yearly, <laughs> yeah. um, Bible read, because when you read through them, it's just a long list of laws. Um, but they're actually incredibly important, mm-hmm. um, for not only understanding scripture, but especially topics like atonement. Mm -hmm. So the word atonement, um, if you break it down, take it to its kind of root, we get the word atone. And that translates, if you go into Hebrew, um, you get the word, I believe, forgive me if I pronounce this wrong, kippur, kippur, something like that. And it means to wipe clean. Mm -hmm. Um, So to literally, to clean something, to wipe away stains. So, and you, you hear that, uh, kind of language used, especially in um, Psalms. So Psalms 51, the famous one where um, David comes before the Lord after he's um, 
slept with Bathsheba and he's asking for forgiveness. He says, yeah, you know, wipe, killed, wipe killed my sins clean, you know? Yeah. So yeah, atonement means to literally wipe clean. Um, and then theologians have taken that over the last two millennia and given it various mm-hmm. um, definitions, stretch that word to mean things that are similar to the original, mm-hmm. you know, Hebrew definition to that original root. Um, but they all, they all stay within the same ballpark. Right. Um, but kind of like Caleb said, how you define atonement, whatever original definition you give to it, um, especially if you're interpreting it from Scripture, if you see it through a certain lens, um, when you approach the atonement theories that we're going to talk about in just a little bit, mm-hmm. um, that that definition will usually influence and inform what theory you you tend to take as your foundational mm-hmm. theory. Yeah. So atonement theory is a phrase. I don't think I heard it until... I was like halfway through college or something, but it's kind of can be a confusing phrase uh, if you've never heard it before. So the idea of an atonement theory is basically a framework that you understand the Christ's atoning work. So if we atonement means washing clean or whatever, it's basically the theory or the framework of which you understand like what happened when we are wiped clean or like, what does it actually play out to mean? So uh, for a lot of you guys, it might seem like it's kind of like a straightforward, this is just what it is. Or uh, maybe you've had a certain idea and we're going to go through a lot of them later. Um, but maybe you've had the certain idea and you haven't really thought about it a lot. Um, but uh, we kind of want to go through some of these ideas. So before we go through those ideas, uh, I'd love to hear some of your background with them and kind of how you came into like caring about this and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so I would say that me coming into caring about, um, atonement theory follows just kind of the general trajectory of me coming to care about theology as a whole. Um, I, my first introduction to theology, um, I have to give props to my father kind of for getting me into it. Um, back, I want to say, goodness, it was probably 2013, 2014. So I would have been 13 or 14. Um, my dad, he, uh, who is an engineer by trade, um, but he's really, really theologically astute. Um, he taught a, I want to say two semester long course on, uh, kind of church history, historical theology, um, the whole whole thing. He did some systematic uh, stuff with it as well. Um, he kind of got me interested in uh, theology in general as I kind of sat through that class. It was originally intended for adults only, but just since I was his son, I got to sit through it. Um, and I got really interested in kind of uh, redemption in general, the conversation surrounding Calvinism versus Arminianism, surprise, surprise, is what <laughs> you know drew me into theology. Yeah. Um, but Lord be praised for that because I, you know, kind of matured out of that simple binary of debate. Mm-hmm. Um, and originally, I was I was concerned with uh, you know Molinism and Calvinism and all this stuff, but um, a couple years passed by. I end up at OBU over here in Shawnee, Oklahoma. Um, that's where me and Caleb both went. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, by probably my freshman year of college, had gotten really into eschatology, um, and I don't mean just like, you know, when's the world going to end, but like the (laughs) theological, biblical understanding of what, what revelation has to say, 
what it means for the church, mm-hmm. what it means for the individual Christian. And there, mm-hmm. that's a whole different conversation. Um, but there are certain positions you can take eschatologically that really bring about certain um, topics in Revelation. And a lot of those are power and victory, um, the kingdom of God, things like that. And so um, I had been familiar with atonement theory just a little bit, um, being kind of more reformed in my own disposition. Uh, I held to um, a pretty, and I still do, a pretty solid um, penal substitutionary mm-hmm. view. Um, but my interest in that kind of victorious eschatology got me introduced into a uh, theory of atonement called Christus Victor. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's a sick name. <laughs> I want to learn what that is. Um, and so I looked it up on Wikipedia. Being a freshman in college, I didn't have huge resources for that yet. Um and I kind of got into it from there, kind of, um, my, my interest in atonement expanded. Um, my theological interest really did start to sprout then from my atonement theories that kind of has informed everything else that I've, uh, done since then. So yeah, that's kind of my brief background with the theories. Yeah. Um, I honestly don't remember when I first thought about, um, the atonement theories, but I think uh, a big part of like that whole like end times theology, and when you, especially when you start coming into the idea of like just the kingdom and Christ has already won the victory, and then you're like get hype thinking about like oh Jesus won, you know, and then that starts to affect a lot of your other theological understandings. Um, I think it makes sense why you'd start looking into that Chris's victor idea and. Um, and all that. So, um, atonement theories, that's what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about, um, ransom theory, uh, Christus Victor, penal substitutionary satisfaction theory, moral theory, uh, recapitulation theory, and, uh, this participatory idea of, uh, of atonement. So, we, we want to work through all these ideas and not just so that we have this like head understanding of like, Oh, I can articulate exactly what happened. Um, but it is actually important that we know why, why Jesus did what he did and what Jesus actually did. So it's really easy to say Jesus died for my sins. Uh, and so we're saved, which is true, but what does that actually mean? And how does that actually play out in, in, actuality. So yeah. Um, and just to add to that, there is nothing wrong with, you know, that simple gospel, you know, as you know, when you go to church and you know, your, your pastor preaches a simple gospel, obviously he's not in one sermon going (laughs) to lay out, you know, an atonement theory. (laughs) And so, you know, when you hear us say this, this is not, (laughs) yeah. Whatever you think of altar calls is probably different conversation (laughs) altogether. But, you know, this is not saying that when you go to church, you should condemn someone for presenting the gospel simply, or, you know, not every time you present the gospel, do you have to explain the entire theory that you have behind it and your justification for why your interpretive framework that you use for the whole of scripture, you know? Right, exactly. And, and that is a good reminder because, those of us who have been saved and are being saved and have put our faith in Christ, part of what we're called to do is to grow in our understanding and knowledge of, of Christ. And exactly. so spiritual milk versus spiritual meat, yeah. like that kind of stuff. And so 
this is not something to say that when you enter into salvation, you have to understand exactly what happened on the cross. Yeah. And if you don't, yeah. you're toast. Sorry. Uh, this is for people who have entered into that relationship and who want to understand more how they are saved. The, the basic of idea. kind of basic building blocks for your, I don't know, uh, a systematic theology. Right. And so, you know, as Christians mature, um, and you want to kind of get into theology proper, mm-hmm. um, you know, you, you learn these, you learn which theories maybe to stay away from, which theories to kind of take and make part of your own idea. And when you do that, you know, you, you take them in, you internalize them, and they will, you know, express themselves eventually when you go to preach the gospel, you know. Mm-hmm. But again, you're not preaching theories whenever you preach the gospel. You're, <laughs> you're preaching the gospel as presented yeah. in scripture. Right. So. Hope you guys enjoyed the first part of our episodes on atonement. Part two, we're going to go through the different theories and uh, how that affects us as individuals and us as the whole family of God. So hope you guys enjoyed that and we'll see you next time. Peace.